And what I noticed was the difference maker in being able to actually climax and have that I'll never forget the first one, you know, it's like yeah. the first kiss or something. Yeah. I was like, what the hell's going on in my body? another episode of Dear Men. This one is super sexy because we're talking about the big O. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about the three kinds of female orgasm. And I'm happy to welcome back to the show my good friend Melanie Scott, who is a breakup and divorce coach who helps both men and women turn their breakups into breakthroughs. And as part of her healing work, she also helps clients find themselves sexually, which can be kind of a thing after a big breakup, especially something like a divorce. There's a lot of identity shifts and one of them is sexual, sexual many times. Um, And part of the reason I wanted to have her on is because this isn't just something that she talks about. It's something she has spent a lot of time and attention and resources, going to workshops, reading the books, doing all the things herself. And that I find really valuable. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mel. So good to be here again with you. Hello, everyone. And thank you for, um, yeah, showing up kind of as a coach, but also as a woman who has this experience, because I think it's that personal touch that really kind of helps things open up. My pleasure. Open up literally, right? Open up literally. (laughs) More, please. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about the three different kinds of female orgasm. And I think part of why this topic is so important is because I feel like the sex education right now, in our country at least, really doesn't focus on pleasure, doesn't focus on her pleasure, doesn't focus on his pleasure. It's not really about pleasure in the end. It's sort of about like, hey, don't get STIs and here's how you put a condom on a cucumber. But there's not a lot of education around pleasure. And that's really unfortunate because it seems like what happens then is that we never really learn it unless we kind of do what you've done, which is really put attention and focus on it as an adult. So I would love to see that change. That's one of the reasons I want to get more of this out there is I think pleasure should be part of sex education. I think pleasure should be part of the conversation about sex from the beginning so that we can kind of all have better sex. Um, so why don't you start by just taking us through like, what the hell are the three kinds of female orgasm? Because I think most of us think there's only one. Absolutely. I just want to know before we even talk about the types that the reason why pleasure is so important for uh, a female partner and a male partner is that actually to the masculine nervous system, pleasure registers as love. Oh, and this say more. Is so critical. Well, because a man's nervous system is more dense than a woman's nervous system. And so for a man to actually feel this sense of love, he needs to feel a woman's pleasure in her body, her, her sensation, her, her undulation, her movement, her river of love. And when she's in that place and she's giving the noises and she's, ah, 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 
a man will pick that up in his nervous system as like fragments of love. And then he'll start to relax and open himself. Hmm. And so there's this like this really interesting place where I think a lot of couples don't realize this. And they think that pleasure is just something like you see in a porno, like faked out or, you know, like pleasure is like this like taboo topic, but really pleasure is really the way that a man can actually feel his partner's love. Hmm. And so it's like so critical, right? That, a woman be able to be in her pleasure, have this orgasm, because for him, it's like the magnitude of a pleasurable experience is what can actually be big enough to penetrate his his more denser nervous system. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. So what you're saying is that the woman's pleasure impacts the man. Yes. Like that it's almost like through her that he feels the love. Because his pleasure is also important, but what you're saying is there's something about her pleasure that kind of raises them both up. Absolutely. Because he doesn't have the same capacity for pleasure in his body Mm. that she does. So her going into her fullness, her orgasm, whatever that pleasurable experience is, that can then basically be the gateway. It's kind of like the ice pick that like chips through and then he can feel the pleasure in his own body. Mm. It's really like this, this beautiful dance that gets done. But this is why female pleasure is so important and knowing about her orgasms and the different types she can have is so important for men. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like that too, because it does seem like a lot of times women are more sensitive. They have a lot of sensitivity. So it's almost like using that sensitivity and that capacity for pleasure to expand, expand what's possible. Absolutely. And who doesn't want that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, there's really kind of what I'll call like clitoral orgasm, which I call kind of like the cheap orgasm. And I, I don't want to sound judgmental, but that's kind of like the easy one. <laughs> usually mm-hmm. that's the one that we all think of, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's like usually, um, can be pretty easily elicited through oral sex, um, concentrating on the low, the upper left quadrant, um, in the clit area and through pretty easy simulation oftentimes will elicit an orgasm. Yeah. Easy for some people. Some, some women have more challenges with it, but for a woman who's got that capacity handled, it's relatively straightforward. That's right. And that's kind of like a quick burst of energy, kind of like going up a mountain and falling down. Um, so it's, it's usually pretty quick Mm -hmm. in my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and working with my clients, that's what they report. Um, and then there's a G-spot orgasm, which is the G-spot as, um, I had to learn many years ago. I was like, I don't even know what my G-spot is. And I remember a friend of mine taught me, um, being able to, you just would reach in with my, I would reach in with my index finger and kind of press up against the inner part, Mm -hmm. um, kind of like there's like an inner wall Mm -hmm. and it's kind of this rough patch of skin. It feels very bumpy. And that is most easily, um, brought about by actual contact, usually with with penis or a finger or a dildo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually um, don't tend to have those types of orgasms, but from what I've heard from my clients and my friends is that that could be kind of like a punch hmm. energy, but I, I haven't personally experienced it. So I don't know. When you say a punch energy, like what? I feel like I wouldn't put punch and like pleasure, like in the same sentence. So does that mean like, Bigger? I, my assumption is that G-spot orgasms are bigger. Is that? Do you think that's true? Does that seem true? Yes. I, from what I've heard. So, like, the clit one is a, is a slap, and then the G-spot is a punch, is what you're saying. Yes, woman. You got it. Thank you. Yes, I've heard it's a bigger explosion. It's kind of like a burst, or like, yeah, I call like a punch, like a psh of energy. Okay. Yeah, and for... Um, 
men who are interested in that. I know the book, She Comes First, which I can drop in the show notes. I can't remember the guy who wrote it now, but the book, She Comes First, is a lot about how to pleasure a woman with your fingers and with your mouth. And he talks a lot about the G-spot orgasm and that for many women, if if you're going down on her and you're putting your finger inside, and like you said, it's sort of on the top. And so people often say it's a come hither motion. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell that meant, but it's when you're like indicating to someone to come over, that motion of like in and up and in and up, in and up is part of what does it. But I think for a lot of women, having dual stimulation helps with that part. So yes. we'll drop that book in the show notes. But again, it's called She Comes First by... Doctor, <laughs> I heard he's really good, by the way. And I've also heard that it's much better for the come hither finger. Slow and yeah, slow, slow. slow. I've had some experiences with the like quick jab. That's that's not going to do it. You need the yeah, the come hither is a really slow thing. The, the dog agrees with us. Yeah, it's like definitely the slow. That's possibly a theme that's going to come up. <laughs> Sophie does like it. Yes, yes. And then my favorite. Oh. So this is the third one. Now yes, I'm moving into the third one. Okay. The third one. I'm just so excited. I almost want to skip over the other two. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be so biased. But yeah, a, clip, uh, a cervical orgasm is like a sonic boom of cosmic energy and light up to, yeah, like the highest stars and planets. It is. So the cervix is deep within the body. It's actually when you're penetrating a woman, your penis will actually hit the cervix sometimes. And it can be a very intense feeling for a woman. Especially in doggy style. Especially in doggy style. That's why with doggy style, better to, yeah, until you really know your partner to mm-hmm. kind of do that. And you want to be obviously assertive, but yeah, just because you got You want to be sensitive exactly. of it because it, especially a lot of women... Some women can hold trauma in the cervix areas, but a lot of women will experience pain if that's yeah. if that's hit. Yeah, I've cried a few times from definitely having contact with that area. It can be very sensitive, um, but it's also the source of immense pleasure in a woman's body. And yeah, like I said a minute ago, the orgasm that results from that is just like almost like a flower explosion. It's like petals, like one after the Mm. other, just coming back, opening up like the thousand petal lotus opening. It's like that, but like a sonic boom energy. It is just, it's deep inside the body and it is fantastically amazing and very powerful. And to the point also where women can have multiple orgasms at the same time. So there could be this happening and clitoral orgasm or G-spot all happening at once. So there's all sorts of things that can happen. This is totally like in the fireworks show when they set them all off at the end and there's like the one that lasts a long time and then there's the little ones on the side. That's what it sounds like to me. It's such a good analogy. Yes. It can all be happening and there can be like little clitoral ones happening and there can be the um, cervical one going on at the same time and the G spot. It's like, wow. So talk to me because I don't have personal experience with cervical orgasm. I think many people, women included, don't even know that it's a thing. So can you just speak a little bit to your personal journey when it comes to knowing about the cervical orgasm all the way through experiencing it? Because I'm imagining there was, you know, there were some steps in there. There were a lot of steps. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know what the heck that was. Um, I hadn't heard about it. I only had experienced clitoral orgasms for a very long time um, when I was married and heard about it actually at a workshop many years ago from a teacher and this was post-divorce post-divorce okay. yes um, going on my own sexual exploration and trying to really get to know my body on a much deeper level and 
he talked about actually the trauma being stored in the cervix and how that is such a sensitive area on women who haven't really done the work to release it. And what he said was sensitize that area. Mm. So sensitize it in a way where it's like open to contact. Mm. Um, you have to almost like unlock it because mm. it can be very tight and, and have a lot of trauma in it. Mm-hmm. So he recommended working with the dildo mm-hmm. and doing gentle um, motions and actually like almost like knocking it, like hitting it like gently with the dildo and mm-hmm. getting it to be where it was used to having some contact. Mm-hmm. And so I developed a personal pleasure practice that involved that, not for the sake of orgasm, but for the sake of really what I'll say, unlocking that area, mm. having contact, having regular contact feeling the sensations that would come up, the tears, some of the trauma that was stored in there would come up when I did that work. But just a personal practice of maybe a few nights a week, you know, doing that, Mm -hmm. um, really started to unlock those areas in my body and um, ultimately had my first cervical orgasm a few years back in that same practice. Mm. And what I noticed was the difference maker in being able to actually climax and have that I'll never forget the first one, you know, it's like yeah. the first kiss or something. Yeah. I was like, what the hell's going on in my body? But I remember it was breath mm. that was the difference maker. I actually invited breath into that area. Mm. And so it was actually sort of knowing the area existed and then getting in touch with it with the dildo. Mm-hmm. But then after that foundation was like bringing the breath and actually picturing my cervix is having almost like a mouth on it. Mm. My taunter teacher would tell us to do that technique. And it started to really be powerful for me when I did it was picture breath actually being, being inhaled through that area and then exhaled through it mm. with the contact with the dildo. It was like game on. Wow. And it works really, really easily and well today. So what is the like different, like, so I've only had clitoral orgasms so far in my life looking forward to experiencing the other ones yes um and there's a quick like um what's the word contractions when you have a clitoral orgasm and then like you said it's sort of it's sort of over like it's there's like this big crescendo and then you fall off the edge of the cliff there's the contractions and then it's kind of done what is the physical experience of a cervical orgasm like what does it feel like it's so it's so deep in your body, obviously your your cervix. So when it orgasms, to me, it feels like like a sonic boom. Like mm. it feels like deep inside. Um, yeah, it feels like an explosion. So the energy isn't up the mountain and down like mm-hmm. I've experienced with um, clitoral, but it's more. I'll say it's like out. It's spherical and it's going out. It's like almost like the Big Bang happened that created mm. the universe. It would be like this. This shock way is like almost like an earthquake. So it ripples out in all directions. So I don't experience the quick up and down. It actually lasts and I can feel my, my cervix um, vibrating for a while afterwards, like almost like a drum. Mm. After you've played it and you let go, it'll still vibrate for mm. a little bit. It's still going. So I'll be like laying in my bed. I don't have a partner right now. So this would be through my own practice. I'll lay in bed after and it's just rippling for even minutes. Yeah, so it's longer. Longer. It sounds longer when you describe it. It's definitely longer. It feels like um, if you dropped a big rock in the middle of a pond and it, like, rippled out. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what it's like. And I'm just curious, like, how long were you uh, working with a dildo to sort of sensitize the area before you had the orgasm? Like, was it months? Was it weeks? I would say it was a good six months, okay. if not longer, because I wasn't totally consistent with my practice. I would drop it for a while, but 
from the time I went to that workshop to the time I had my first one was probably like a year and a half. Okay. Um, but that was with the partner. The first time I had one with the partner was a year and a half. Oh, like okay. Personal practice. Yeah. It was about six months. About six months. Yeah. And you mentioned like having emotion come up when you were sensitizing the area. Did you, can you just talk about that at all? Like, was it like, was it painful? Like my only experience with the cervical touch is like usually doggy style me saying like, ow, like it's not, it doesn't feel good. It's not pleasurable. I've not used a dildo to sensitize the area. Like if, if a woman were to start doing that, does it really hurt at first? Like, I mean, you're controlling the speed and the angle and like all the things. So I'm imagining it doesn't like, what is that like? Yeah, trying to sensitize it through doggy style did not work for me. That was very painful. So being able to do it uh, to my own body with mm-hmm. my own dildo at my own speed, yeah, it was it was painful in some ways, but uh, oddly pleasurable kind of mm. from the get-go because what I would do is I would take the dildo and just kind of make the contact with the cervix and I would hold it there and then apply some light, consistent pressure okay. versus in doggy style. My experience in doggy style is jabbing and that was what it was way too harsh way too fast mm-hmm. for my cervix mm-hmm. at that stage mm-hmm. in my cervical evolution that would be a phrase <laughs> cervical evolution but yes i it was i needed it much more gentle and much more slow to even get to this point and when you would notice the emotion come up you would just allow that to happen did you find that you had like specific sense memories that came up as well or was it more general just sometimes you would cry and sometimes it would feel light and sometimes it would you know feel different ways I felt a lot of fear come up it was like fear of um being taken advantage of or abused or having myself really it felt like the most vulnerable physical experience I've ever had and Mm -hmm. that still is true for me like doggy style feels that way it feels very vulnerable um because I think that area still has some some memory or some sense of just complete utter surrender right Mm -hmm. the one thing that like I would, I think a lot of women want, I know I want is that total sexual surrender, that position that way feels like that for me. So what came up was just the, the tears, the sadness, the, the anguish, the longing to be able to surrender to that level. Mm. Yeah. And mixed in with some traumatic just feelings. And I don't know, they're not tied to specific things Mm -hmm. in my life, but I could feel old past life stuff being stored in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we're going to have another episode about this um, specifically because there is a lot of there's a lot of healing that can be done by a woman herself without necessarily a practitioner with this kind of practice. And I know you can use a dildo. You can also use a wand. What's called a glass wand. It's a little bit thinner and more. It's kind of like more made for this. Um, so we're probably going to come back to that. But I just wanted to yeah, kind of shout out that this was, it, it, it was an evolution over time. It wasn't just like, you were like, I think I'll have a cervical orgasm and I just stuck a dildo up there and now I'm good. Like there was, there were many weeks and months of preparation, essentially. Yeah. And it's almost like clearing away the brush or right? like clearing away sort of this stuff that's in the way or static or whatever we want to call it to get to this other experience. 
It's true, and I remember having some sexual shame with my partner at the time, being like, I'm going through this experience, I was going through it when I met him, and then having to kind of describe that this area of my body is really sensitive, I've been working with it, um, you know, I've, I've had these orgasms on my own, I haven't had them with a partner, like, there was some sense of, like, something's wrong with me, because I haven't gotten to this, you know, the goal yet that I had in my body, mm. and to be able to just share that with him, and then really kind of relax as a result of being seen and heard in that place, then I started to have them. Mm. Yeah. So you, so he responded well to that when you were describing it. That's great. Yeah. I think it's also interesting because, you know, we're having a discussion about the three kinds of female orgasm and a lot of it in in your experience has been your own practice with it. It hasn't been a man giving you an orgasm, right? It's been your own journey around it. I'm curious in terms of once you, once you had it down, (laughs) you were like, all right, check that box. Like, were you able to have cervical orgasms with a partner or how did that come into play? Yeah, that's a really good question. I was able to have them with a partner, but it wasn't as frequent as I thought. And Having a partner was like a whole different experience, right? Because like nothing's controlled. I'm um, I'm in the feminine position with the partner. I'm the receptive one, and it felt it felt like a whole new layer. It was like okay, I've had them with myself, but then trying to have them with the partner. You know, the word trying loosely, but having the awareness that this can happen in my body. I remember feeling nervous for a while. Like, mm. is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Or like there was tension around it. And of course, you can't. I couldn't. At least I can speak from my experience. Couldn't um, will it to happen even though I knew it was capable. And so really what I found with him that really supported the process of it unfolding was the breath. Again, mm. going back to that, feeling him really breathing me and going really slowly allowed me to connect to that place. One fascinating thing that I noticed is that it took me 15 minutes at least when I was doing my own pleasure practice to feel my cervix in the beginning, at least mm. 15 minutes really connect with her and before I could then even think about having, you know, even feel like orgasm could come, orgasm could come. And it was usually around the like 20, 25 minute mark. And I, I studied it. So I wanted to know how long it took my body. And so being with the partner, you know, that's a whole other ball game of like, are we going slow enough? Like, and I found that it was really only the really slow sexual encounters we had that enabled me to even get close to this nine times out of 10. It was the quicker or eight times out of 10, whatever. I don't know. But more often than not, it was the faster kind of sex that we were having for a while. And it just, it wasn't possible for me to have the cervical orgasms then. And were you, were you guys communicating about it? Were you like, Hey, let's try and go really slowly tonight and see what happens. That really helps me open more. Yeah. I would say at times, yes. And at times it was just like, the moment didn't call for that, you know? But yeah. yeah, absolutely. There was plenty of communication around that. And there's kind of this sense, I think, for women too. It's like, we know we're capable of these different things regardless of how many orgasms we can have. I mean, you can, like, get all technical about it. But there's a sense of, like, the moment, right? Mm, like, yeah. Like, who knows? Like, there's been times when I've had, like, so many orgasms and I'm like, I just had, like, a really stressed out day and things have been really hard. And other days I've been, like, really in my body and then it's, like, the sexual occasion arises and I'm like, I just have one orgasm and I'm done. It's like... Who the hell knows? You know, the moments of the female body is so, so complicated. So it's, it almost, I find like my orgasms to be so surprising. Hmm. Like I can't have expectations around them because who the hell knows what's going to happen. Hmm. And I find that that's the best way for me personally is to not think about it and just, who knows what's going to, it's like almost like this, like I go to the, like, I don't know, I go to the, like a new restaurant and I'm like, I don't know what's on the menu. It's kind of like, I try to treat it like that. You oh, know? that's kind of fun. So I try not to like study it too much with him and just be like, 
I would tell him what I was doing personally, but see what shows up, you know? And yeah, it was fun to see for sure. What was it like the first time you had one with a partner? What did it feel different? Were the sensations the same? I felt completely surprised and like, I remember just like, yeah, like almost like it knocked me off my course a little bit. And I actually had a cervical orgasm at the same time as a clitoral. And so I remember just being like, I've like died and gone to heaven. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> like, I just like laid down after that. I was just like done. Like I just, it felt like I reached some sort of, yeah, altered state. It really was a transformational moment. And did you guys debrief that after? Like, was it different for him too? Cause I know the men that I've spoken to, they can often tell when a woman's had a clitoral one. Cause again, I said there are contractions. Could he feel the clitor- the cervical orgasm and was it different for him? Yeah. Yeah. I remember talking about it and yeah, I remember it being a really delicious night of connection and yeah, feeling like a new, really we reached a new layer of, of our physical relationship both of us, you know, I mean, me being in that much pleasure too, right. Took, you know, contributed to, I think him having a different experience, a more lush, you know, more, um, full experience mm. feeling connected. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I find something I find really interesting about sex, like so interesting about sex is in these lives that we're living in these bodies that we're in right now, like, Unless you are a trans person who goes from one gender to the other gender, like you and I will never know what sex feels like as a man, right? Like we, we only have these parts, like in a dual universe. I just find that so fascinating and men will never know what it feels like from our perspective. So really we can only kind of guess about each other's experience and we can use the words and we can, but like. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm fascinated by that. Like there aren't that many things in life where it's like, I truly don't know what that feels like. Right. Like everyone knows the feeling of feeling left out. Everyone knows the feeling of feeling appreciated. Everyone has an experience of those things, but like having a penis and penetrating someone, like, I don't know what that feels like. Like, I don't, I mean, I could use a strap on and have like a simulated experience of it, but it's, I don't think the same thing. Like this is my part. This is my, these are all my parts. Like (laughs) these are all my parts. This is my experience. Like I find that so interesting. Cause I'm like, I wonder what it's like, like you were saying a woman, when a woman is really in her pleasure, the man that's with her can feel that. Like, what is that like for him? You know, because you're having a cervical orgasm and he's having some experience, something is happening for him. He's, he's receiving something or something's being transmitted, but you're the one having it. So it's like, I don't know. I just find that like fast, absolutely fascinating. I do too. I absolutely do too. And I've wondered like, what does it feel like to penetrate? Like, I have like, Ooh, like I'd like to know, but yeah, I have no idea. And that's why I think communication is critical, like about like what's going on what do you need and where are you at? And I mean, we don't want to turn it into like, you know, 30 questions in the bedroom, but just, uh, kind of a sharing, a, a camaraderie, a connection, uh, like an agreement, like something, some kind of meeting of like, yeah, like of hearts and mind and mm. because I don't, yeah, like you said, we don't know what's going on in their body. Yeah. And I'm curious as someone who does coach people around breakups and breakthroughs and things like that, what do you think is in the way of, of a couple exploring things like this and how do they get past that? I think resentments. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think really that max mixed with, 
resistance and I'll say like bodily shutdown. So there's areas in our bodies, I believe, that we have closed down out of fear of getting hurt, of past traumas, of um, all sorts of conflict that we've had in our life, stress, I mean, fear, you name it. It's like it's all locked in our body somewhere. And I think that we, we tend to bring that to the bedroom. And if we don't open those parts of ourselves, um, how the heck are we supposed to right, really connect in that way? And so this is why personal practice is key. And that's why men's work, like, you know, men do their, a lot of men that are on the path do their own personal practice. Women do their own practices as And well. to be clear, when you're saying personal practice, you mean some kind of masturbation practice of self-pleasuring. For women, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Like to open the body, right? Like we all have trauma stored somewhere in the body. So how can we really, you know, invite whatever needs to be in there in order to clear it? We can only meet in the bedroom as much as we've met ourselves individually. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we have to do the work on our own. Yeah, and it and it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like a lot of couples that are in breakdown or breakups, sex is a part of that. There's something happening. There's almost always something happening in the bedroom that's not good, whether that's like he feels like she's cold and never wants sex or she feels like he doesn't really want to look at his erectile dysfunction stuff. Like somebody's there's some, like you said, resentments, there's something happening that one or both people doesn't really want to address and it's impacting their closeness basically. Like, because I feel like part of what the sex is in a relationship is a reflection of the relationship and the parts where we're shut down or where we're not communicating or all of those things. Like, I'm curious when you're working with your breakup clients, do you see a lot of that kind of thing showing up? Yeah, all the time. And there's so much that, you know, that I work, I tend to work with men and women who are already post breakup, like it's already happened. Mm -hmm. And so now they're trying to figure out what's going on or they're in the middle of the divorce. And so tends to be a frame of looking back. Mm -hmm. And when they're looking back, there's this sense of, you know, I should have, would have, could have, you know, I didn't know how to. And yeah, I think just about every client I've had, if not every client, there's been some breakdown in the bedroom. There's some breakdown around sex and it's always tied to some other thing that was going on in their lives. Usually some sort of huge conflict, um, breakdown of communication, disagreements, resentments, um, infidelity is very common, um, or some sort of lack of trust, um, betrayal of trust. And yeah, it's, it's so pervasive and I really feel, I really believe in this work that we really need to do on our bodies in order to really heal these places in us, right? It's not just about like healing our heart after a breakup or a divorce or a hard time or loss, but like healing our body, like where mm. in our body is that stored too? Yeah. And there's a lot of shame. I think that can come in, um, a lot of, um, lack of confidence, a lot of like, I'm not enough feelings after heart heartache, especially, or like really a sense of like, blame, right? We want to blame ourselves. I didn't do it right. I didn't show up right. I didn't sleep with him enough. I hear this a lot from my women that I work with. I didn't sleep with him enough. My masculine clients, you know, I didn't do it right. Um, you know, she always complained, right? Um, so there's always a sense that somehow we screwed it up and that's why this is happening. Mm. But really, you know, there's an opportunity for us to kind of go beyond that part and just look at really what are the areas that we didn't like about how we showed up, including sexually, and, and, and what can we do to change that going forward without... Yeah. Blaming ourselves mm-hmm. doesn't do us any good. Yeah, I really like that about like kind of like, well, here we are. Like, yeah. <laughs> whether or not we we blame ourselves for what happened in the past, here we are now. And if we were shut down sexually in some way, there are ways that we can open up. And I really like what you said about you you did your own practice because I find 
like any kind of relational work, meaning like I'm going to go to a sex therapist or I'm going to go to a Tantra workshop. Those are very important and not to be skipped. But what you described was a personal practice. Like you were in control of the dildo. You were able to feel every little thing and only go as far as you wanted to go. You didn't have to have someone else there. Like you were able to do a lot of healing and moving through a lot of pain and trauma and getting to pleasure yourself. And that's what I think, for example, if it were up to me, it would be taught in sex education because I think it's intimidating to go to a sex therapist. It's intimidating to go and talk about this incredibly vulnerable thing, but we have the power to do what you did. I mean, like you can get a glass dildo online for what, $20 and start. And I'm sure there are YouTube videos those would be amazing. Actually, I, I kind of want to look them up now, but like YouTube videos about how to use a glass wand to help with this kind of cervical practice. And that's something that we have the power to do. I find that very inspiring because this is the kind of thing I think we need to get out more because the potential for healing is so great and the barrier to entry is so low. It's inexpensive. You can do it on your own and you get this sonic boom at the end of it. Ugh. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. <laughs> yes. And I had, I made a huge mistake that I learned from, and it was after divorce, after taking a while and being on my own, I had this view of sex of like, well, a man's going to do this to me. Like a man's going to give it to me. Like he's going to be able to like bring me to these crazy places in my body. I'm going to have like whatever I want to have with him. And I mean, I didn't even know about all the details then about lower different orgasms, but I like was searching and like hungry for this experience. And I had the epiphany one day after dating and having some failed relationships and not really feeling the satisfaction inside sexually that I wanted, that it was like, I looked in the mirror and I was like, it's me. Like I, I need to give these things to myself. I need to explore my own body. Like I can't be on the hunt out there, you know, wanting some man to give me some experience. And I feel like that's where kind of the world of orgasm and sex and all of this can get really, it can get um, too destinational, too goal oriented where it's like, I want to have this experience. So I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to have somebody give it to me. It's like, no, like two things. Like one, we can't, we can't have anyone else like provide something that we haven't been able to provide in and of ourselves sexually. So we need to do the personal practices and explore that terrain in ourselves. But then two, it's like taking that destinational piece of sex out with a partner, like that he's going to do this to my body or we're going to have this experience. It's like, it changes everything sexually because then sex becomes this exploration for, for like unknowns and curiosity and, and like, just like really an adventure, right? A really delicious adventure without needing to get to some place to make it, you know, right or good or enough. It's like, ooh, the change to everything when I stop thinking about sex that way. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is stopping doing sex like in porn. Yeah. Which is like, I go down on you, you go down on me, I penetrate you, I have an orgasm. The video's over. <laughs> like exactly. that's the formula. And and taking that away and just being in the moment and like what's showing up now. Like, what do I feel like is calling to me now and now and now and not getting attached to an orgasm, for example, because ironically, I feel like what you were in what you were describing, it's almost like the orgasm was a byproduct of the encounter instead of we're going to try to have one tonight. Like, <laughs> let's let's do the thing and be goal oriented and have a cervical orgasm. It was like kind of like you were playing and you were in the moment and your body was ready 
my body is ready. <laughs> and it just happened. Yeah, I've had fantastic sex that did not result in orgasm. Some of my best sexual encounters have not involved an orgasm. Fuck yeah, I can think of plenty of them right now. (laughs) I completely second that. And I really like that this episode that's about orgasm has brought us to this place. Because I think it's one of the most misunderstood parts of sex. I think a lot of men attach their value and their worth as a sexual being to whether the woman had an orgasm. And yes, orgasm is important, but what's more important is, are you reading the moment? Are you here with me? Are you doing what feels called for right now in the moment? Not, oh my God, I've got to make sure that she gets off. Like, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. Like, I just get a little stressed out by that kind of encounter. I felt stressed just hearing you say that. (laughs) My body started to like, yeah, it, it is stressful. It's cheapens the experience so much so much and there's so much that a pleasure that's capable of of registering in a woman's body absent the orgasm right it's like so many other things can happen and yeah oh if there's one thing i want the men listening to this episode to know it's that it's like it is not about the orgasm the orgasm is a beautiful like you know um, experience that may or may not happen but it's really about the presence and the connection and the time like the slow delicious I'm here I'm with you let's explore and see what happens likeness of it oh like that is number one in my book yeah and something that's occurring to me as we're talking about this is physical touch that isn't sexualized touch like and even during a sexual encounter like touching other parts of my body I really I feel like the partners I've had the most um, not even the most fun with, but that I've felt the most connected to the most memorable sex. Like they've touched like my legs, my back, my face, like more of my body rather than like just, you know, breasts, but pussy. Like that's it. Like, like I've had so many sexual encounters where it's like, it's almost like the rest of me just disappears. Like I have a whole body actually. Like I actually have feet too. Like, did you know I have feet? Like, (laughs) and just spending more time on other parts of the body, I actually think helps me at least my body relax. And then I'm actually ironically more likely to have an orgasm. But when it's solely focused on these three parts, like it's just, I don't know. It's sort of like what you said, like it cheapens it a bit. And so, yeah, shout out to like, there's a whole body that's in front of you and, you know, and vice versa, like for your whole body to be touched as well. Absolutely. If my future man is out there and listening, um, (laughs) I love to have my neck kissed. That is the best. And have you put your hands around my waist and yeah. And to hold me and breathe with me and look at me in the eyes like that will get us so far with those things. <laughs> there's no breasts, there's no ass, there's no genitals in any of that, and that is poof, the magic sauce. <laughs> so yes, the whole body experience. Um, and you know what? On the flip side of this, there's many orgasms that can happen in one encounter. So I think I also really want to make it clear that just because she's had one, it's not time to be done. <laughs> Unless you're having that kind of experience. Sometimes we want quick and go, but you know what? There's also like it's like this ripple effect. It can, she can, and many times will orgasm over and over again. And so I also feel like a lot of men will feel like she's orgasm and we're done or we're, and then he's going to like ejaculate and then it's like lay down and pass out or whatever. It's like, you can certainly do that, but there are times when if you continue and stay with her, she's just like this flower that will continue to bloom over and over again. So 
I would love to impart the idea of staying with her a little longer. Like, see if there's another one that unfolds or see what comes next. It may not be an orgasm, but it may be some other beautiful thing. Like, she really is like a flower that wants to keep blooming. So she can only keep doing that, though, if you're really with her as her blooms continue to open. I think that's a really good point. And I think that's, that is something that is not depicted in porn again. Like, and I really, I know I keep coming back to porn, but I feel like it's, it is the major blueprint right now for sexual experiences in our culture. It's the, it's the main place that people are learning about sex. So if there's a blueprint that's happening there, it's being reflected in real life. And that's certainly been my experience with sex and right now. And, um, what you're saying is, it's almost like the the porn sex is sort of like one wave that crashes. And you're like, you can go swimming for way longer than that. And there can be like ups and downs in the same encounter. Like after, you know, she orgasms, like, yes, there is actually a resting period that women need after they have an orgasm, but it's shorter than men. And it doesn't mean that she can't have another one. Whereas for a lot of men, if they ejaculate, their refractory period is longer. They need more time to recover, more energy, all of that stuff. The the period after she orgasms, like again, like the physical touch for me, like physical touch on my thighs, on my legs, like just being with me feels really good. Not so much touch like on my genitals, that like it's too much. It's like too sensitive at that point. But I like what you're saying, which is like, just hang out. Like, just hang out, see what happens next. Don't, you know, assume that it has to be, okay, the video's over now. Like, on to the next thing. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be crashing waves over and over. It can extend. It can get hot, and then it can get, like, really calm. It can be quiet. There can be a lot of things that happen. So just just hang out (laughs) and see what happens. I know that sports game's on later, and that's super exciting for a lot of guys, but you know what? Yeah, one of my favorite things to do is lay in bed all day on, like, a Sunday, and or at least for, like, half the day, and, like, have sex multiple times. And if you stay with her, this can happen. I mean, sounds pretty good, right? That sounds great to me. <laughs> Hello! Ideal Sunday! And then I make brunch, pancakes, um, <laughs> eggs, and then I walk my dog, and then maybe have some more sex later. Like, this can happen. This is a thing. Hello, Sunday. Where are you? Oh, wait. (laughs) Hopefully you're there soon. (laughs) I think that's a good place to wrap. (laughs) That sounds like the perfect Sunday to me, too. Um, All right. Any last words of wisdom from you for men that want to give women more orgasms? I would say it's worth taking the time to get to know her body. Every woman is different, and so what worked for one woman that you dated or that you slept with isn't necessarily going to work for another. And I know that that can put you in a bit of a difficult position because there's like no owner's manual to us. But I think that communication is really critical and opening up a dialogue, you know, ideally either before or after a sexual encounter. Um, yeah. To just ask her what she likes, you know, and talk about what you like too. Like, I feel like communication is so critical and there's little things that you might not know about her body that really turns her on. Like you're talking about your thighs being touched. I'm talking about my neck, like explore, find out either through talk or through touch, you know, um, bringing that with your physical presence, your breath for me as an energetic person, energetic female, the breath, the eyes, like your presence, taking the time to be with her. Like you were saying earlier, Mel, 
really opens her. And so the more time you can give, the more slowness you can give, and the more communication you can give, I feel like that's like a win-win-win. Hello for pleasure orgasm. And that's ultimately, I feel like, what a man really wants. He wants to feel his woman's pleasure. He wants to, right? He wants to he'll feel successful. My story is I believe that men feel successful when they feel like their woman or the woman they're with is pleasurable, is enjoying her body, and is radiant and, like, really happy. Happy. Exactly. And she's happy. So it's like invest in her happiness because you're going to really benefit from that like a hundredfold. Nice. Very nice. So um, where can people find you if they're interested in what you do? Because there might be some people out there going through divorce or somehow in a breakup that could use some support. Absolutely. So I'm online at www.melanie-scott.com. So um, that's hyphen symbol, my first and last name. Um, I can also be reached at Melanie at Melanie-Scott.com. Um, I do one-on-one coaching with both men and women going through breakups and divorces. And I have a nine-week breakup to breakthrough online program that um, has had really amazing results with so many different men and women all over the world and um, really takes you through what I call like a relationship detox program to really purge the past and the history and all the hurt feelings, the grief, the sadness, and any kind of trauma that's resulted from your breakup or even a past breakup and really reset your heart so that you can move forward and, you know, find yourself again in this new identity, in this new world, in this new place. And then attract when you want, you know, an, another amazing partner or uplevel your career or whatever it is like to really reset your body and your heart then it just like magnifies the energy that you'll have in order to attract whatever you want next. So that's what I do. I'd love to hear from people. Cool. Cool. And also, um, since we are talking about sex and manuals and things like that, I will also be coming out with a course soon about specifically for men on how to have sex with women. <laughs> the, for, the world's first course, because there really isn't something that's about pleasure and sexuality from a woman's perspective specifically designed for men. So pretty excited about it. Mm. Stay tuned. And that wraps up another episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Just again, a quick note. If you're interested in the course, you can find it at pleaseherinbed.com, www.pleaseherinbed.com or at my site, melaniecurtain.com under courses and have a very sexy day.